being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you have a Miller Lite in hand, grilling doesn't just taste great. It tastes like Miller time. This past weekend for Mother's Day, I'm treating my wife while grilling. I'm treating myself with a Miller Lite. Miller Lite, it just tastes right. Whether it's barbecue season or just celebrating a regular day with burgers and dogs, with a Miller Lite in hand, grilling doesn't just taste great. It, it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com Patrick. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells great beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let me get to Steve Palazzolo. Once we figured out how to pronounce his name, we love to have him on. Co-host of Pro Football Focus NFL Podcast. Do you want to jump in on any of those topics we've already had? Well, I mean, the Brady Bledsoe thing, I mean, clearly that's the most impactful injury. Um, I think the blind side's overrated because when the quarterback looks to his left, his blind side's protected by the right tackle. So I think it's overrated. Um, and then uh, Brissett should have some success this weekend because the Miami, Miami's got some good playmakers, but their uh, offensive line is rough. So I, I would go Justin Fields there. And once again, what you offer, what Pro Football Focus offers is not opinions. It's all numbers based. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I mean, there's interpretation. Anytime you get a number, there's interpretation, there's context. But yeah, it's 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 fi- uh, quantified film study is what we do. That's how we come up with our grades. All right, Tom Brady versus the Rams defense. You have two of the top five defenders in the game. I'm guessing maybe the best at their individual yeah. positions, and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. How does Tom Brady and the Buccaneers attack the Rams this weekend? It's a tough one. I mean, it's going to look a lot different than what the Bucs faced the first two weeks against the Cowboys and the Falcons. The Rams defense, my big question coming in was they lose Brandon Staley, who was really forward thinking and taking away the deep ball and playing the pass before the run and all these different things that he did last year. And they're carrying that over. Jalen Ramsey's playing. Remember late career Charles Woodson when he was out there kind of playing a little linebacker and in the slot. I mean, that's how Jalen Ramsey's playing in and around the line of scrimmage, blowing things up. So the Bucs have to spread them out, be patient in the underneath game, but the Rams match up really well. And they gave the Bucs trouble last year on Monday Night Football. That was one of the few games where the Bucs offense was not very good. So it's a, it's a great matchup. Antonio Brown might be out, but the Bucs look like right now, when, when all those guys are out there, all those receivers and Gronk and 
uh, Cameron Bray, those tight ends, really tough to cover because Brady just goes, who's the open man this week? So I think it'll be a good bat. The, the Rams will do the best job against the Bucks offense. The Bucks will still find a way to score some points, though. More likely to happen, Ramsey gets an interception from Brady or Aaron Donald sacks Brady? Oh, definitely go Aaron Donald sack. I mean, he's... He's going to, he wins, you know, about 20, 25% of his pass rushes, which is incredible for an interior defensive lineman. Uh, you know, most guys are at 10, 12, you know, maybe 15. So Donald will, he's got a much better shot, I think, of getting a sack. And Brady's, Brady's smart. He doesn't have to throw at Jalen Ramsey. He can avoid him if needed. Chargers in the Chiefs. I've mentioned this a couple of times. It feels like if you're going to beat the Chiefs, at least in the AFC, got to be able to run the football. Baltimore can run it. Cleveland can run it. Um, who else am I leaving? Uh, the Titans can run it. Can the Chargers run it? Is that the is that the approach to beat the Chiefs if you were the Chargers? I think it depends on the type of team you have. I think if you are the Ravens or the Browns, and that is one of your strengths, that's a piece. I think what the Chargers have showed is they could put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands, and, and they haven't scored a ton of points, but he's been pretty efficient. Couple mistakes against the Cowboys, but he's really good in that Washington game in Week One. Had the, all those third down conversions. I think you have to score points against the Chiefs. That's the key. What the Browns did in week one is they maximized every opportunity. Fourth and three, and instead of kicking a field goal, they're going for it. You have to say, I have to score 30, and then hope that we can keep them to under 30. And, you know, the Ravens pretty much did that, right? So um, I, I think you got to score as many points as possible. And from the Chargers standpoint, that's Justin Herbert throwing to Keenan Allen, throwing to Mike Williams, and then figuring out how Austin Eckler is a part of the run game and catching the ball out of the backfield. Have you graded out Justin Herbert and Matthew Stafford the first two weeks? Yeah, Stafford's one of our highest graded quarterbacks. Herbert, you know, he's he's 11th right now in our in our grades. Uh, was Stafford's third. Um, so Stafford has been uh, a little bit better than his career baseline and in, in probably shown, hey, look, this Rams offense is a nice little mesh with his skill set, and they've, they've tapped into uh, the downfield passing attack a little bit more with the Rams. What's the grade for Jimmy Garoppolo so far? He's one of those guys. One of my favorite things to do is to take PFF passing grade and compare it to, say, passer rating or yards per t- your traditional stats. And Garoppolo is, let's see where he ranks. He's down there. Oh, gosh, where is he? He's too low. 24th. He's 24th in our grades. Passer rating, he's top 10. So when you see guys that are lower in our numbers, higher in passer rating or traditional stats, you generally attribute that to luck or Kyle Shanahan being great, the playmakers being great, Debo Samuels catching a jump ball and running 70 yards for a touchdown. So that's been the Garoppolo story. He missed a lot of throws in that Eagles game and was one of the reasons why they only scored 17 points, even though they won. But what are you factoring in that the QBR is not factoring in? So we're looking at the quality of every single throw. So again, if you know, if Garoppolo throws a jump ball and it legitimately should be tipped away or whatever it is, and the receiver wins at the catch point, and then if, especially if the receiver wins at the catch point and then runs another 50 yards for a touchdown, that's a whole bunch of credit that's going to the quarterback that he didn't really earn. Uh, Mahomes is really a good example on uh, Sunday night football. He had two touchdowns where it was Travis Kelsey running through the entire Ravens defense. It was a decent throw. He threw it to him, but th- this is Kelsey as he's running, earning him passer rating points and stuff. Right. And uh, Br- Byron Pringle did the same thing on a 40 yard run. So the other piece is if you make a bad throw, throw it right to a defender, we're giving you a big downgrade, even if the defender drops it and it's only over one. So it's just adding the context to each play and, and the, the QB's actual contribution. Steve Palazzolo, he's the co-host of Pro Football Focus NFL podcast. Did the media overreact to the first week 
with Aaron Rodgers, or did they overact more so to the second week performance against the Lions? Uh, probably to the first week. I mean, Rodgers has had games like that before. They just didn't happen to happen in week one, right? It happened last year in week six against the Bucs. It happened at other times. Every time he had a PFF grade under 50 since 2016, which he, which he had in week one, it was terrible. And under 50 is pretty bad in our system. Every time he's bounced back with four touchdowns, exactly four touchdowns and no interceptions. This is the fourth straight time he's done it now. So people could have looked at history and said, look, Aaron Rodgers has had bad games before. This happened to be in week one. It doesn't mean that Jeopardy did it. And he'll probably bounce back. He's facing the Lions. And it was four touchdowns and no interceptions, and he played better. So I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be okay. So relax again. I, I, I think we're going to learn more about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers this week yeah. than we did last week. I, you're playing at home against the Lions. So I was not surprised. I was surprised the Lions were going toe-to-toe with them in the first half. Uh, I thought there was a a huge third down toss to Devontae Adams in the third quarter that it kind of propelled the the Packers there, but I'm I'm not surprised at all. Let's look at rookie quarterbacks. Um, Is anybody actually having a better season than we think with these rookie quarterbacks aside from Mac Jones? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I had high expectations, not not astronomical expectations for Trevor Lawrence, but he's been disappointing so far. He's got the highest percentage of uncatchable passes in the NFL this year uh, by a pretty significant margin. He's not playing with great timing. What's uncatchable? Um, just straight up an overthrow and underthrow in front behind the receiver doesn't have a catch a chance to, to haul it in. Okay. There, you know, there's those there's bang bang catches or opportunities, but this is he's just flat missing uh, far more than he should be. Um, and then Zach Wilson, yeah, all those interceptions against the Patriots, not all his fault, but his mechanics are all over the place. He's fading away. He's not stepping into throws things. He probably got away with in college. He's learning. He can't. Um, so that hasn't been great so far. And Mac Jones has been the most efficient. It's it's the, he's been probably the safest as far as game plan goes and throwing the underneath stuff. But his week one game against the Dolphins was really impressive. Uh, plays under pressure, his accuracy. So yeah, Mac Jones, I think has been the clear guy. He hasn't dominated, but not making as many mistakes as the other guys. Now you have Justin Fields coming in for the Bears. Assess the Bears offensive line. Where does that rank talent wise? The, the tackles are playing okay right now. As far as pass protection goes, they, uh, they've got Jason Peters at left tackle. He's almost 40, but he's still pretty good. Um, Jermaine Effetti's been okay as a pass blocker at right tackle. Historically, he's not great there. The interior's gotten beat up, so there's going to be some pressure up front. And the quarterback affects pressure rate because when a, when a QB holds the ball, it puts more pressure on the offensive line, even if he's juking out of a sack. So that's what's going to be interesting to see. Andy Dalton generally gets the ball, gets rid of the ball faster than most quarterbacks in the NFL. He's top five getting rid of it. Justin Fields so far preseason in last week likes to hold it, let things develop, scramble out a little bit. So there'll be a lot of pressure on an offensive line that's definitely in the you know bottom eight or ten, uh, I think, in the NFL right now. Do you guys grade careers? Like Hall we of do. F- you do? Yeah. Is Devin Hester a Hall of Famer? Now that's a tricky one because special teams it's its own it's its own animal. You know, I, I do think you know when you're looking at the Hall of Fame, if there's an, if you've completely changed the game, and Cordero Patterson's going to have a, an interesting argument that's Hester like, right? I mean, there is those guys were game changers. You you're afraid to kick them the ball. I think Hester is. I think I think Patterson probably is because they were so good at taking it to the house, which is a very rare thing. Wait, you and think then it Cordero changes the Patterson way. is a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he's the best kickoff returner of all time. In a time when that part of the game 
is getting de-emphasized when it, you, you know, kickers can just kick it through the end zone and get yeah. a touchback if they want. And Patterson's still extremely dangerous. I mean, the Bucks were, you know, dribbling it at him last week because they were so afraid of him. He was an all pro four times. Philip Rivers, Hall of Famer. The more I think about it, I'm starting to lean no on both Philip Rivers and Eli Manning, you know, just because I, I think the era thing matters. You were mentioned an era, right? How, how do you compare? It, was there ever, was Philip Rivers a top five quarterback in his era? Yeah, a couple seasons he was, but overall he's top eight type of guy. You're in the era with, with Brady, Breeze, Peyton, with Aaron Rodgers, uh, with Russell Wilson, Big Ben. It is tough to say this guy is an elite player in his era. So I'm starting to lean the the, the playoffs are going to work against Rivers in this argument, even though the stats and generally he was really good. Um, but I'm starting to lean no, I think, for Rivers. Why no for Eli? I mean, he was an average, slightly above average NFL quarterback. I say that with a ton of respect. That's a tough thing to do. Um, who had the two Super Bowl runs? I think he'll get in. I think people are going to buy into that. Um, but they also didn't make the playoffs a lot. And it was a very, in, in years where Eli was a bottom third quarterback, right? So the, there wasn't the continued sustain, sustained su- success where he was a top eight guy consistently. He had a couple quick peaks and there were nice peaks. The Giants will take it, but I just don't know if you put that in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but I go back to Joe Namath. Joe Namath won one game and you can say yeah. it might be the most important game in NFL history because it helped spring the merger. But he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. He had one unbelievable moment, but, you know, his defense was brilliant that day. They gave up seven points to the Colts in Super Bowl three. Why is Joe it, Namath in the Hall of Fame? It's because people like the, the feels, right? It's the feeling. And it's a tough for, for someone like me that works with, with numbers so much because I want to say, okay, here's the, the whole body of work. Um, but I get it. The Hall of Fame is about moments and uh, you know, playoff success and, you know, helmet catches and things like that, that Eli has. And look, the Mario Manningham cover two shot against the Patriots in 2011 is one of the best throws in NFL history. Forget the helmet thing. That was kind of a jump ball. I mean, the putting the ball in Manningham's hands wins the game for the Giants. So I, I could talk myself into it, but it, but I generally lean toward the full body of work. Am I watching a Hall of Famer? I don't, I don't know if anybody got that vibe when watching Eli Manning. Always great to talk to you, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The original light beer, 1975. Miller Lite. Yeah, the original. Yeah, 1975. Perfect companion for uh, us grill masters across the United States. This past weekend, even Mother's Day. I'm treating myself while I'm treating my wife for Mother's Day. Out there cooking, and I've got my Miller Lite, my friend, right there with me. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. It's You can't debate it. I would try it. No, least. you can't. Taste as great as the barbecue you're making. The beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. It tastes like a beer. Less filling. Only 96 calories. With a Miller Lite in hand, grilling doesn't just taste great at it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells great beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. When those those legends get here, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) You're here. You're here already. No, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this that's day. The thing. That's we the didn't problem. realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh my God. You were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs yeah. and <laughs> didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into, right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how <gasps> lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated senior writer. He's going to the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game on Saturday. He was at Cincinnati, Indiana last week. Figured we'd have him on, get an update, because the college football playoff committee uh, met yesterday but did not vote to uh, expand to 12 teams. Pat joins us now. Uh, Can you tell me why they didn't vote? Uh, Pettiness, jealousy, rivalry, distrust, short-sightedness. I guess that would be the the short list of reasons. (laughs) Uh, Basically, it comes down to a, a, a unwillingness to, I think, let... Uh, the the SEC and ESPN get everything at once here uh, more than anything else. It's like, okay, Greg Sankey was on this committee that helped come up with, with expanding the playoff to 12. It would be a huge financial gain. ESPN would be the benefactor, the sole media benefactor, and we don't like what happened with expansion with Texas and Oklahoma, so we're going to throw – a stick into the wheels here and at least slow it down. I still think we will get to expansion. I don't know that it's going to be eight. I don't know that it's going to be 12, but we're going to get to expansion with multiple broadcast partners is my belief. But we still have to wait a few years for this contract to expire. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, I mean, they, they could, 
get into this probably and, and open this up and do something by like 2024 if everyone wanted to. But this is part of the, the slowdown process is uh, we are not going to do this the way certain people want it. We're going to like if you are the Big Ten, the Pac-12 and the ACC, you're saying, OK, well, this is not just going to be everything the way the SEC wants. It. You brought up uh, the number eight. I was told don't be locked into 12 because it might start with baby steps to eight and might even jump to 16 and might blow right past 12. What are you hearing about down the road? Well, I certainly think the, all the numbers are still on the table. Um, you know, I, I think 16 is a tough sell right now from what I heard, just from people coming out of there worried about number of games played and how deep into January you're going to go with this thing. Uh, that there is a feeling that, that, it would be a rare thing for a team to play 17 games. It could happen, but if you're at 16, a 16 team playoff, then it's almost certain that somebody's going to play 17 games. Uh, whereas it, it would be unlikely otherwise. They want to keep this thing at 16 or fewer games for the most part, as they're trying to sell this as as relative amateur sports. Which segues into name, image, and likeness. Here we are, a couple of weeks into the season. Is name, image, and likeness working? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's working quite well. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I I know this for all the people that sat out there and said, I, I, you know, this is going to ruin the sport. You know, this is going to turn it into pro football. I already watched pro football. I'm not going to watch. The ratings are huge. The ratings have been phenomenal so far this year. Uh, players are getting things, but I, have you seen any sign that it has ruined their product, ruined their work ethic, turned them into, you know, lazy uh, money-grubbing player? No, I, I haven't seen that. Uh, you've seen non-revenue sport athletes make money off of it. I, I I don't think that there has been anything that I've seen that says this was a bad idea. I mentioned this in the first hour of the show that, uh, you know, James Franklin beating Auburn at home sort of keeps him at the top of the USC list. There's obviously mutual interest, but he's either going to get a huge pay raise at Penn State or he's going to get a huge pay raise going to USC. And then I was also told, make no mistake about it, every coach wants to be mentioned for this job. Whether they want it or not, they want to get a pay rate. Like, their agents love this. Like, privately, the coaches are like, did I get mentioned? Yes, you did. Awesome. Now go, <laughs> now go to the press conference and act like you have no interest in going to USC. What do you think? How do you think this plays out? Well, you're 100% right about that. And that's one thing USC did do by doing this at this point in the year. You just gave two months of leverage to the agents for these guys. And so, uh, you know, I, they're going to do their work behind the scenes. If they want to get, you know, in front of Chris Peterson or Bob Stoops, who's not coaching right now, they can. But everybody else has got to play coy. Uh, as you said, be interested while acting like they're not interested James Franklin and Luke Fickle, I think, are sitting in good positions here. You know, I think Franklin uh, would fit very well at USC. Fickle would be a little bit tougher fit. And he also worked with Mike Bone at Cincinnati. And I'm not sure he is super anxious to work with Mike Bone again. Uh, I'm not saying that a bad relationship, but I'm not sure they had a great relationship. Yeah, uh, I was told he didn't want to leave the Midwest. Now, that yeah. could, could mean a, a lot of different things, but uh, I was told he Fickle didn't want to leave the Midwest. He's a Midwest guy through and through. I mean, that has been him. He's pretty happy at Cincinnati. And now Cincinnati has, you know, putative Power 5 membership coming with the Big 12 if the Big 12 can kind of hold on to that uh, status. 
I just don't think he's the kind of guy that that ever in his professional life thought, gosh, it'd be great to coach at USC, whereas a lot of other guys, I'm sure, thought that. He's Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated senior writer. He'll be at the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game. Game is bigger for who, Notre Dame or Wisconsin? Well, it's bigger for Notre Dame because they're still undefeated, uh, and they've proved nothing. They really haven't played very well so far. They're 3-0, and but it's an unimpressive 3-0 uh, this is a chance to to beat a pretty good team and maybe get yourself uh, playing on a higher level and get people to take you a little more seriously as a as a national uh, playoff contender. Uh, the problem Notre Dame's schedule, Dan, is tricky. It's not just the, the games, who they're playing, but when they play so many teams coming off of bye weeks that they they are at a bye disadvantage. This is one of them, and they're going to keep running into that. Cincinnati next week goes off of an open date into South Bend. And there are several others throughout the season. Just wear and tear and preparation time. Notre Dame's at a disadvantage five different times this uh, this season. Most disappointing team so far is who? Oh, boy. Uh, I would have to say... Really, I'd say Ohio State. I just, I, you know, I, I thought that they were. I, I bought into the belief that they would plug and play with these, you know, young guys coming in, and everything would just keep running smoothly. And not just that they lost at home to Oregon, but they were pretty well outplayed in that game. And then, you know, to come back and be twenty-one twenty against a Tulsa team that lost to an FCS team, I'm like, what, what is wrong there? There's just something that's not clicking that I really didn't expect. I would nominate Clemson. But yeah. maybe I overrated Clemson, but DJU has not been Trevor Lawrence uh, 2.0. Uh, that offense, uh, that surprises me a little bit. Are they still yeah, no, the I, class of the ACC, certainly. but are they a top 10 team in your opinion? No, they're not in my top 10 as of now. Uh, they're not. You know, that, I mean, the, the, the grim struggle against Georgia Tech uh, Saturday, well, that, was, that was really wild to see them struggle to score 14 and barely hold off. Georgia Tech at home. So they've got issues. What they've got also is an easy schedule. They could end up being 11 and 1 and not be very good. What happens if Lane Kiffin beats Nick Saban? <laughs> the earth splits open and, and, and like, you know, like demons come out. I mean, now it would just be. Uh, it would be incredibly interesting. I mean, Lane Kiffin is a provocateur. He's been an Eddie Haskell type for those old enough to know who that is. Uh, you know, he's, he, he's a guy that loves being a needler, a fly in the ointment. And this would be the ultimate, you know, sticking it to the SEC establishment and to the guy that fired him as offensive coordinator in the middle of a playoff. They're going to have a chance, I think. I mean, they're a dangerous team. They're, they're, they're better defensively, and they're really good on offense. Safe travels is always great to catch up with you again, Pat. Thank you. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? along with my fellow pro bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) You're here. You're here already. No, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this that's day. The that's we didn't the problem. realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now Gosh. we're like, oh my God. You were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs yeah. and didn't realize <laughs> well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into, right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how <gasps> lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably put this off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that will elevate your game. Touring tires for commuting comfort. How about performance tires for sporty handling? All-terrain if you're going on and off-road adventuring. Go to TireRack.com and get started. You're not sure where to begin? I suggest the easy-to-use tire decision guide. Get a personalized tire recommendation, the right tires for how and what and where you drive. Choose from the full lineup of Kumo tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They bring the tires to your home or office and install them on site. Go to TireRack.com Dan to see their Kumo test results tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Dan. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Randall Chambly, Golf Channel, lead studio analyst, NBC Sports, providing comprehensive coverage of the Ryder Cup from Whistling Straits. You'll uh, see it on NBC, Golf Channel, Peacock, and it starts Friday morning at 8 Eastern on Golf Channel. Brandel, Justin Leonard, Rich Lerner recap the action. 
in-depth analysis live from the Ryder Cup on Golf Channel. Randall, great to talk to you. Set the scene. What's the weather going to be like at Whistling Straits? Well, it's going to be windy, probably a little bit chilly. I think it's supposed to warm up a little bit tomorrow, but uh, the weather that the players have been uh, practicing in is going to switch. You know, the winds are going to come out of a different direction, but it's going to be brutal, hard golf course, uh, hard against the uh, uh, Lake Michigan. And, uh, you know, it's going to look like an open championship. When it comes to trying to assess both of these teams. Um, we used to always look at the Europeans and say they got along with each other. Like they, they were friends with each other. They would room with each other and that camaraderie would play out in the Ryder cup. Is that still the, the case with the European team and the United States team? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good assessment of things. I mean, it, it it's, it's hard. It's the hardest puzzle to put together why the Europeans continue to dominate because almost every single year they're, they're a pretty big underdog coming in here in every facet. Uh, but I think by and large, the difference is it's not like it doesn't mean anything to the U.S. It does. It means a lot to them. You, you hear them. You see them when they win. You see them when they lose. You can tell it means a lot to them. But as some Europeans have described it to me, it's life and death for the Europeans. It means that much to them. And yet they find this perfect harmony between the intensity and the levity that you need to play your best golf, whereas the United States – they play tight and they just don't play their best golf. There, there's several reasons why I think they haven't been able to, by and large, beat Europe, but that's that's one small part of it. Justin Leonard last night on the broadcast said that when you play on your home turf, it's like one and a half or two points. That that That's the home course advantage there. And he talked about how you have to win. If Shane Lowry wins that first match tomorrow morning, then you've cut that lead in half. Do you agree with that assessment? If you go back in the world ranking era, uh, the home field, home course, home country advantage is a one and a half point advantage. Uh, but, you know, momentum comes and goes in this. It is very ephemeral. The U.S. hasn't lost an opening session since 2006, and yet they continue to struggle. Uh, by and large, I, I think that, you know, the captain needs to impress upon the players on the U.S. side that they need to play with the same intensity that they would if they were 10-6 down in singles, try to recapture what they that intensity that they had going into the in the singles going all the way back to 1999. I, I think they have gotten up, and I think they've relaxed a little bit because on paper they're meant to dominate, and they get a little bit of a lead, and Europe has been able to flip it more times than not. What if we traded Bryson DeChambeau to the European team? I mean, he sounds French, so wouldn't that be a better – like, we're trying to create drama, tension, good TV. Could we trade DeChambeau to the European team, and who would we get in return? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, Liz, I don't think we'd want to trade him. I think he's pretty darn fun. No, 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 we have to do this. Oh, we have to trade yeah, him. Who, yeah. who could we get? Well, if we could get – if we could trade Bryson DeChambeau for Victor Hovland, Ooh. I think that'd be, a, that'd be a heck of a trade. You'd trade the longest driver for maybe the straightest hitter here. Victor Hovland is a guy I believe all 12 players on the European side were asked who they would like to pair with. All 12, or excuse me, 11 of them, all said Victor Hovland. So he's, he's, he's that popular. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau's an 
he's an odd guy. I'm not sure many people would want to play with him. Who plays golf like him? You're going to end up in spots you've never been in. So uh, I think that'd be a pretty good trade for the U.S. Okay, but th- you bring up the great point. I guess Brooks and Bryson are playing nice. Is that good for the tour? Is that only good for this week, this weekend? Well, I've said this. You know, you go back to the beginning of the Ryder Cup. Every single European U.S. team uh, would have had two players on that team, at least two players on that team that didn't like each other. The, this derision on the team between two players is nothing new. Social media is around, so we know more about it. A little friction on a team is a good thing. And any group dynamic say a little friction is good. You know, it lights things up, get a little spark. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the problem here. Uh, and, and, yeah, to whatever extent, I think they could come together for the week. They have. They've, they've bridged that guy. It's not like they're mortal enemies. It's not like one or the other stole the other's wife or girlfriend here. It's like one of them plays golf and makes it look as difficult as tax codes, and the other one makes it look as simple as snow falling <laughs> off a log. They're just two different people. Team golf versus individual golf. In how you pair, like like that, we talk about chemistry a lot in sports, but but you know, trying to piece it all together. It's like jigsaw puzzles and the pieces you put together. Um, how delicate is that? Well, I think, I think you can overthink it. Like, for example, uh, Seve, uh, Jose Maria Aldathabal, the most successful team ever. I don't think you would have ever put those two together in foursomes. They're both, uh, they drove it all over the map, both of them. Neither of them would be a good foursomes team. And you put them together and you think, well, they're going to be a horrendous foursomes team. Uh, and they were almost unbeatable. I think the one thing that Europe has done is they, they either pair like for like. In other words, long hitters with long hitters or straight hitters with straight hitters. Players that even struggle around the green with other players that even struggle around the green. Or players from the same country or friends. They don't necessarily rely on metrics to say, well, this guy hits it straight and this guy putts great. And you put those two together and it's going to work out. That, that almost never works out. Like, for example, you know, uh, Fleetwood Molinari came about likely because those two guys were in the Bahamas having a couple of pops. They got a little liquored up. They called Bjorn and said, hey, we want to play together. Put us together. <laughs> There's no metric there. You put them together. They're like they went out there and they just boat raced everybody. And it's like, hey, you know, why not put together guys and just laugh and have a good time together? Randall Chambly, Golf Channel, the Ryder Cup. You can see it starting tomorrow morning, 8 Eastern on Golf Channel. Are there side bets during the Ryder Cup with, like, USA versus European players? I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, I'm sure going back uh, in the days of yore, maybe. Uh, but I but I doubt it. Wait, with uh, Phil Mickelson, he didn't have any side action? Phil maybe is the exception. Phil might have some side action right now. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I, I think they get uh, a lot of literature. A lot of emails <laughs> about let's not do that. That's that's not good for the game. Uh, so it would be certainly on the hush hush if they do. Uh, Steve Stricker gave an update on Tiger Woods. Um, what was your reaction to that update? I, I'm this is the first time hearing of it. When when did that happen? I thought he was he uh, at the press conference just talked about Tiger's health and you know the road to recovery and their that he, you know, things are promising. Well, I, I certainly didn't hear the specifics of that. Maybe I was sitting on the set, getting ready to go, and I had chaos in my ear. I, I, I was under the impression that Tiger was going to make some sort of impression before the week was out via Zoom, some sort of conference call. Uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of Tiger Woods here and there, but I haven't really heard any any sort of predictions about him coming back or even the state of 
of uh, his injury and how it's healed up. I mean, we've seen a little bit of him, but but not much. Uh, which you know, the fact that we haven't heard much, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to take that really. Um, I think I'm guessing his relationship with Stricker that Tiger would probably zoom in tonight to talk to the team. That that's just a guess. Yeah, yeah, I I, I could see that, um, and and that'd be good. I mean, you know, the game misses Tiger. Uh, he's stuck on 82 wins, tied with Sam Snead. You know, does Tiger Woods have another miraculous comeback? And he's already given us. You can add them up. It's three or four, depending upon uh, how you count 2008 U.S. Open. But uh, he's remade himself. I've, I've lost count. So maybe he's got one more inning. It would be it'd be great for golf. And and who knows? Maybe his presence will be just the spark that this team needs. If I said you could have a putt to win the PGA Championship or a putt to win the Ryder Cup, four, four foot putt. You're standing over the putt. You win a major. You win the Ryder Cup. Well, I think a U.S. player would say the PGA Championship. A European player would say, well, I think he'd be 50-50, but a number of European players would say the Ryder Cup. We had Colin Montgomery on our set once. I remember it pretty darn clear. Uh, it was the U.S. Open 2013 Marion. It was up on our set. It was Navalo up there as well with me. And I asked Colin if you could trade all of your Ryder Cup experiences for one major championship, would you do it? And he was like, not a chance, yeah. not a chance, not a million years would I do that. The next day, as I was sitting on the set, and I'm not going to say who this person is, but a prominent person in professional golf came up on our set. Veins were popping, pointing, saying the next time somebody says something that poppycock like that on that set, you got to call them out. It's like, what are you talking? And they said the idea that somebody would trade – would wouldn't trade their Ryder Cup or would trade their Ryder Cup experience or wouldn't trade their Ryder Cup experience for a major championship is preposterous. And I thought, well, that is the difference between Europeans and, and Americans. Uh, Europeans, it, it is life or death for them. I had a European say it to me yesterday. It's not that it doesn't matter to the U.S. It does. It's just life or death for the Europeans is how they've described it. Yeah, but. I understand that with Monty. Absolutely. From the European side of this, if you, I mean, they enjoy this more. It means more to them than it does the United States. It just does. And I think because of that, yeah, the U.S. players would want to win a major where this is we, we want a major. That's the feeling that you would get with the Ryder Cup. Right. I mean, loads of players have, have won major championships. How many have done what Ian Poulter's done uh, in the Ryder Cup? Ian Poulter... Uh, he's won, what, three times, I think, in the United States or on the PGA Tour. He's, he's won a fair bit and in Europe. He's, he's underrated, or underrated, I would say, uh, in that regard. But when you look at what he's done in the Ryder Cup, he's, he's a legend. Yeah. Uh, Sam Torrance never won a major championship. He's a legend. Colin Montgomery, he's, he's a legend. No doubt Colin Montgomery got into the Hall of Fame because largely what he meant and did – uh, in, in the Ryder Cup, he could have not done any of that, won one major championship and not been in the Hall of Fame. Um, so, yes, it, it does mean, and Jack Nicholas, I think, has summed this up pretty well. So has Tiger Woods. Look, you know, by and large, you know, the better players on the U.S. side are such colossally good players with unbelievable records that there is no career prestige to be gained from them winning a series of Ryder Cups or making the winning putt. It, it, it doesn't really matter in how they're viewed as players, whereas lesser careers, uh, they look at a Ryder Cup as a chance to enhance their legacy and a reputation. And it's worked beautifully for, for 
notably more Europeans. Great to talk to you. Keep stirring it up. Have fun this weekend. We'll be watching. Thank you, Brandel. Thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.